The stars at night are big and bright. Deep in the heart of hockey. Hi, I'm Carolyn. And I'm Marin. And this is Deep in the Heart of Hockey, a podcast about the Dallas Stars, fancy stats, and general shenanigans. General shenanigans. I don't know. I'm tired. (laughs) You bailed out of that real quick. I just need everybody to know that I cannot remember the last time that I was this tired. Is there any, like, specific reason you're this tired? Yeah, dude. Um, I was on a youth retreat this weekend. Oh, I forgot. Like, I knew you were busy, but I forgot why. I've been home for an hour. Oh, see, I just thought, like, oh, she wants to record at this specific time because that'll be after church. I totally forgot that you were, like... Yeah, no. Managing I mean, the teenagers. Yeah, so. It was so, like, we do, every year we do a, an in-town project thing. So, like, they call it Love Austin Weekend because it's us being, you know, loving our, the city that we're living in. So we every year we do a big week project weekend to kind of address, you know, a need in, in Austin. And so this year... Uh, all of the projects had to do with uh, the homeless. And so our uh, my group went down to, um, uh, they, it, it's called Street Youth. It's an organization that um, basically provides like a safe space for people to hang out during the day. They don't sleep there, but they're, they're able to use it kind of like a living room. They go in and they can have food and pick up stuff and just know that there's stuff and that they are safe there and they can bring their animals in and they have movie nights and game nights and different things like that. And it's just a place where they can go and be treated like people. Mm-hmm. And, um, we were helping out with them, um, just kind of cleaning up around the neighborhood and kind of, you know, trying to be like a visible footprint in a, in a nice way because, um, I, apparently a lot of their neighbors are like not happy that homeless people hang out around there. So, Hmm. you know, they were just kind of trying to be like, oh, you know, this is also a good thing and stuff like that. So, yay. Yeah. Uh, But it was a lot of walking, a lot of bending down, and a lot of stooping, and a lot of stuff. So I'm just, it's just tired. (laughs) Very tired. Do we have any um, teen wisdom that you can impart on us that you learned this weekend? I can, okay. So I can tell you. First of all, that, uh, so we spoke with some of the, I mean, we spoke with some of the people that are clients of this organization, and there's this one guy who has been on the streets for, like, the woman that works there now um, had previously been a client of that organization, and now she works there full-time. Like, she kind of went through, um, have, one of the things that they do is they kind of work with people about what their goals are in life, and if their goals are to get off you know, to find a home, to find steady work and all that kind of stuff. They try to help them with the resources that they have to achieve those goals. And if mm-hmm. what they want is just like, I just want a safe space right now so that I can do this and I'm, I'm not trying to do anything else. Then, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're just, they're trying to address the needs that the people come to them with. And so um, there's this guy that's been on, you know, living on the streets for forever, like since the woman that worked there had first was on the streets. And uh, he came and t- talked to us 
and he was like, well, I don't really have any, like, teenager-appropriate stories to tell you, but, uh, so then he started talking about, like, his artwork, and so he pulled off, like, he was wearing, like, four jackets, and he pulled, uh, each layer he pulled off, he would turn around, and he had painted the back of them, and so he pulled off the last one, and it was, like, this leather, the leather jacket he had underneath, and he was, like, and he turned around, and it was, like, one half of the face was white, and one half of the face was red, and he was, like, I mean, I guess I could tell you some bullshit about how it's about the duality of man, but, man, I just like the colors, and then he turned around and he was like, oh, I'm sorry, I said bullshit. And then I just said it again. And then he was like, I'm kind of like a scumbag savant. And I was just like, I just want to be your friend, buddy. Like, this is hilarious. He seemed like he had a lot of very interesting stories to tell. Um, but the teens themselves did not impart any wisdom to me today. But... um. Or, the, like, this weekend. They're just... I just love them because it's like visiting another country where they kind of speak the same <laughs> language that you do. Like, it's close to the same language, but it's just enough off that you're like, I'm not sure that I'm getting all of the nuance here. I feel like I'm speaking, like, formal... I learned this from a book... And they're speaking, like, the conversational. You know what I mean? Like, yes. the, the short. So, like, that's where we are, like, with the English language with them. And um, <laughs> I love them two tiny little pieces. But I'm also, at this point, I've been doing, I've been volunteering in youth ministry since I was in college. And, like, at this point, I am old enough to be all of their mothers. And so it's taken a very, like, interesting turn where, like, when I first started... I could sit, I could hang with them. You know, I could sit in a room with them. I could Uh have a conversation with them. And, you know, it all felt very natural. And now it's like, I let them go off and sit in a room by themselves and, like, talk. And sometimes the college intern will go in there with them. But I'm definitely sitting out here by myself with, like, the weird kid who likes to read books all the time. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) that's where I am now. And I'm perfectly happy with that. That's natural. We're all, you know, we've all kind of evolved. and But, like, it's been weird for me to turn into the mom youth leader. You know what I mean? So yes. that's that's where I am now. One of them fell asleep on me during church today and I was like, yes, this is my lot in life. I'm I am a mother of teenagers that I this did not a, birth. This is a personal journey. This is it a real, is. real journey. It very much is. It very much is. So, and I mean, like, she fell asleep on me and I definitely also fell asleep. So, like, there was... Some usual sleeping in church today, because good lord, it was. <laughs> I cannot, cannot describe to you how tired I am, but um, yeah. So it's if I can think of anything throughout this conversation today that we are currently recording, uh, that I'm like, oh yeah, the teens told me this this weekend. I'll let you know. But like, they are a daily font of wisdom because I am involved in a group chat with them. Oh um, god. <laughs> yeah, we're all on. Um, Oh, what's that app? One of the apps. WhatsApp? No, not that one. GroupMe. Oh. We're all involved in a chat on GroupMe um, that we, like, have to get permission for every year from their mothers. Uh, and we had to kick one girl off of it this year because her mother was like, no, actually, I do not want her, you guys to be contacting her. Everybody else's mom is chill with it because they know that we're pretty chill. But... So, like, I get, like, their text messages back and forth all the time. And I told one of them this weekend, I was like, I know you guys probably talk about us on a separate, different chat. And she kind of, like, looked, like, askance at me. And I was like, I knew it. I knew you had a chat we weren't involved in. 
I was just like, okay, what? I don't care, but I was also like, okay, whatever. You girls. Yeah. I mean, everybody knows that there's always a separate group chat. There's like, always, a, yeah. That there's they a probably... family chat that I'm in, and then, like, there's the chat that my cousin and I actually talk to each other in. Yeah, <laughs> right? well, there's like, a... There's the family thread that, like, everybody in my family is in, and then there's the one that it's, like, just the kids, and then there's one that it's just, like, my actual nuclear family without the in-laws, you know, kind of, so, mm-hmm. yeah. What, just to bring it to hockey a little bit here, because we technically talk about that. I've heard what that. What do you think the structure is of the stars' group chats? Because there's clearly, like, the one big roster group chat, right? Like, obviously, obviously. Like, do you think I've, the call-ups have their own group chat? Do you oh, think the sure. defensemen have their own group chat? I feel like it's probably... Do you think the dads have their own group chat? I, I feel like it's probably the dads. The dads plus Jamie Ben because he's, like, the dad of the team. He is the dad of the team. So, like, the dads plus Jamie Ben. Do you think Jason Spezza is still in the dad chat? I have to believe he is. I have to. It makes me feel better thinking that way. Yeah. I have to believe he's still involved in that one. But I also have to believe they kicked out Patrick Sharp almost as soon as he left. <laughs> Listen, your girl will never stop being bitter about Patrick Sharp. Yes. No, I definitely think that Jason Spetz is still on that. I, I think that Roman Polak, even though he is not actually a dad as far as I know, is on the dad chat. Yeah, he has dad energy. He's got big dad energy. Um, I think that the, like, the children of the team, anybody below the age of 25 or, like, spends most of their time in the AHL is probably on one chat. Question. Yes. Do you think Tyler Sagan's in the children chat? Absolutely. Because <laughs> he is not that, below like, the age of 25. No, I know. Ah! But I also think that, like, it's a mentality issue with with Tyler Sagan. Absolutely. That's and, where I was going. And I think that he probably doesn't talk to them as much as they wish that that he would. Yeah. I feel like... I feel like he pops in every now and then with, like, a devastating one-liner and then wanders away again. And I feel like anything... I feel like Tyler Sagan is teen wisdom. Yes. Right? Like... Anything he says that actually is meaningful is probably going to be delivered in a way that you're like, I think that might have been very idiotic, but also smart. Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously he talks to press enough that, like, you can get some canned answers out of him pretty easy. But, like, you know, if he's coaching guys or if he's, like, giving them relationship advice or anything like that. Like, Tyler Sagan is Mr. Teen Wisdom still. (laughs) Right. Absolutely. All right. Well, I actually did want to start off our stars chat with a listener question because I thought it was a good intro to basically what I think we'll be end up being talking about. Okay. So, uh, ah, where'd my notes go? Come back to me, notes. Do you want me to read this question since you've lost the notes? Sure, go for it. Though I did find them. Okay, good. Jason of Damn It Jason Fame asks. I know there are a lot of fans, myself included, who still don't trust the star's record because we think individuals should be performing better. Is there a highly higher ceiling for this team despite them playing better than anyone else in the Western Conference since Bonus took over? I think it's us included as well. <laughs> yes. Um, I think this question is 
I both agree and disagree with parts of it. Like I want to be kind of nitpicky when I when I say this because I think playing better isn't necessarily true. Um, they have been playing better since the All Star break, um, but they have had a better record than everybody else in the Western Conference. And again, we went through this last time. A lot of that is because they're winning in overtime. Like yeah. the game against the Habs last night. Yep. Um, Where they were down 3-0. That's a win, but going down 3-0 and clawing your way back to win in overtime is not something you can depend on. Exactly. So they've been playing actually pretty well, if you look at the stats, since the All-Star break. And even if you just look at total goals scored, right? Like they just are scoring more on average since the All-Star break. Now that's a very, very short period of time. So it could just be a blip in the Stars' progress. However, I was able to catch the back half of the Montreal game. And again, score effects and not score effects, they actually were attacking quite a lot. Um, and, And the attacks they had were quite good. So I was pretty happy to see that. Like it wasn't, it wasn't kind of a counterattack back and forth kind of situation. It was sustained pressure in the offensive zone. And I don't think Montreal was playing particularly well, but at the same time, the stars were doing the right thing when, with a team that was sitting back, you know? Right. Um, so there is potential for hope that they are actually playing better currently. Um, but I think, and I'm pretty sure you would agree because we've talked about this before too. I think, yeah, we definitely think there is a higher ceiling for this team. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if that it's an, on an individual basis. Like, yes, obviously we're real fucking happy Tyler Sagan has started scoring again. <laughs> Everybody's Obviously. static about that. And, you know, it's great to see Jamie kind of getting back into his form a little bit. But I think a part of it has been that we've been so conditioned to think that this kind of coaching where it's defend, 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 counterattack is okay. And I don't think that's exactly the case. Like, I mean, I disagree with that entirely. So, yeah, I think there's a higher ceiling for the team. I think... And, and we saw it. We saw it in November. What, like, what this team is actually capable of, we saw in November. Ed, did you happen to catch any Stars games recently? I recapped one where they won. But it, as far as I remember, it was another one that they were coming from behind. Let me look real quick. Fuck, I don't remember what game it was. Oh. Oh. Yeah, it was the Blues game. It was the Blues game where Pareko scored twice, and then Jamie Benn scored, and I was very happy, and then Hint scored, and I was very happy, and then Hint scored in overtime. But again, it was one where they were down and then went up. And then won in overtime. And then won in overtime, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, the only game I've watched recently. So it was the Blues game that was on oh, um, February, what day is that? Eighth. I didn't get a chance to watch any of the games this week. I saw a teeny tiny, they put, we, so I was at a CBJ hack um, last weekend and um, the Evolving Wild Twins were there. First time I've ever gotten to meet them, which was a trip because they look like taller, skinnier versions of my cousin, Eric. Oh yeah. And um, yeah, no, like in the face, almost exactly. And uh, anyway, 
so they got the wild game on because that was the stars wild game. And I looked up and there were 24 shots between two, the two teams in the first period. And I was like, well, no one's going to be happy about this. Or <laughs> reals. I was like, since when are either team happy with shots on goal? <laughs> the stars are definitely not happy with shots on goal. But one thing we are happy about is uh, baby rookie Jason Robinson. Yes. Not that I've actually seen him play, but yes. I only got to see, like I said, I caught the last 30 minutes of the Montreal game yesterday because it was on after I finished making dinner. So. Oh, okay. Um, and again, I only got to see a very little bit of him, but he's been on the first power play and doing really well. He got a point in his very first NHL game oh, on an That's assist adorable. on Tyler Sagan's, uh, monkey off the bat goal. And then, um, while he didn't actually record a point in the first two goals, um, that the stars scored, the, he was a factor in the play on both of those goals. And like, I saw him on the line with, um, I think he was on the line with Pavelski. I might be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it was Pavelski last night. And like, it was one of those things where I was looking for him and I was, I didn't know his number. Um, but at the same time, once I found him, I was like, Oh, he just looks like everybody else. Like he looks like he fits. And I was like, it, I was just really, really like it from a, like how he's working, like, you know, the work, like hard working, going hard into the corners, wasn't really hesitating, seemed very confident and sure of himself in building out the plays. Like he fit in a way that like a lot of times you don't see rookies doing like it, with Gurianov, right? Like the very first couple of games, like he still had his speed and his hands and all of that, but like. It didn't seem to, to connect to mesh the same way. And yeah, Robertson, I, I, I was, I think he's going to stay up for the rest of the season. I would be surprised if he doesn't, honestly. Yeah. Anyway, I love him. When he was drafted, um, I can't remember who it was, but somebody, I was saying, oh yeah, and we got him at 32 or whatever. And someone was like, yeah, I was really hoping he would be on the board so my team could pick him. He's... I think he dropped a lot because all he wants to do is, like, sit around and play video games with his brother and not do, like, a bunch of the outgoing activities that you're required to do in the OHL. That's adorable. It's so cute! Oh, my gosh. Basically a tiny Jamie Ben. Yes. I just want to hang out with my brother and do nothing else. I just want to play hockey and hang out with my brother. Well... It's also coming up on the trade deadline, end of the month. Yes. Is there anyone, realistically, that if they could pull off a reasonable trade, you would want the stars to add? Ralph Kruger. <laughs> Ralph Kruger for a Rick bonus, one for one. You know, Sabres fans really are turning on Kruger. I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I guess I know why, but like, that's not, it's hardly Kruger's fault. (laughs) Here's the thing. There's, I cannot think of anybody that makes the stars demonstrably better than they could be if they had somebody behind the helm that knew how to coach them. 
Mm-hmm. They are... They've got the talent. They've got the goaltending. They've got the Hella defense. goaltending. So good. They just need someone to put the pieces together in a way that makes sense for them. Mm-hmm. And it's... I understand that people are like, but they're winning. I like winning, too. But you know what else I like? Stanley Cups. And you don't get Stanley Cups going down 3-0 in a playoff game and hoping that you can claw your way out of it by the end of the game. But, and winning in three-on-three overtime. Like, yeah. that's the thing. Like, winning in three-on-three is cool and all. Like, I, but it's that's fun not to the watch. way that it works in the playoffs. Exactly! It's still more 5v5. So, yeah, I don't want another player. I want a coach. <laughs> also, also, did you look at the answers? I, I, when I saw this, I went and found that tweet from Sean Shapiro earlier this week where he asked people to spend, send him his best their best stars related who says no trade proposals. No, I didn't see that. Okay, I mean, there, I saw the tweet. I just never followed up on it. Uh, there are some pretty, like, first off, there are some obvious good joke ones, and then there are some pretty dumbass ones. So my favorite so far is Perry to Anaheim for the love of God. <laughs> I just about died. That's very good. <laughs> Who tweeted that? Uh, it was the Dallas Stars haiku um, oh. <laughs> account. Our friend uh, Pat Iverson put stars trade their 2021 first round pick for universal health care and some amendments. I saw that. That one. Uh, somebody said Fadoon, Honka, and Dowling for Zuccarello. Okay. Sure. I wouldn't say no. I mean, Minnesota Jason would probably, but right. I wouldn't. Jason Robertson in the 2021 second round to the Rangers for Ryan Strom. No. What? I no. know. No. Uh, this no. Is, no. This is one of my favorite. What the fuck were you thinking? Klingberg for Tyson Berry? No. I know. I know. I know. I know. If you're the kind, first and foremost, if you're the kind of fan who hates Klingberg, you would hate Tyson Berry. Even more. Yeah. Like, Klingberg actually plays pretty good defense most of the time. This is a bad year for him from a defense standpoint compared to, I mean, from a league perspective, if you look at his war on Evolving Wild, it's negative, but it's like negative 0.5 or something like that. It's not like, but compared to the rest of the Stars team, he looks awful. Um, But like, he usually plays pretty good defense. <laughs> Yeah. Tyson Berry has never played very good defense. No. Uh, this is obviously a joke, but the 2038 6th and 7th round picks for Connor McDavid and Austin Matthews. <laughs> this one might be a serious one because it's from Derek Neumeyer. Uh 2021 4th rounder to the Ottawa Senators for Tyler Ennis. I mean... Somebody suggested Jamie Benn for Connor McDavid, which, okay... I mean, who says no except everyone to that? Ty Delandria, Landon Bow, and Jan Mark for Blake Coleman and a 2020 third round pick. Blake Coleman's not even good. I know. Jamie Alexiak to the Penguins for a fourth round pick. 
funny. Yeah. Maybe if we send Polak to the Penguins, he'll actually get good at defense. <laughs> Somebody said Victor E for Gritty. I mean, I'd, I'd take it in a heartbeat. Two Dallas, Tyler Toffoli, two Los Angeles, two, Julius Honka, and the 2021 second round pick. Oh, I think Toffoli. Toffoli. <laughs> Sorry, it's a hard one. I think, isn't it Toffoli? I don't know. I don't know. Cupcake. Um, everybody's favorite cupcake is, is probably going to go for a little bit more than that, especially since he got a hat trick last night. Yeah. <laughs> to bring the Kings back to win against the Avs. The same oh, person man. says, to Dallas, Ilya Kovalchuk, to Montreal, Yulia Sanka, 2021 conditional third round pick. Second, if Dallas wins two playoff rounds and Kovalchuk plays 50% of the games. Somebody responded to this tweet with, the look on Montreal's faces when they realize we already traded Honka in the 2021 second to Los Angeles for Tyler Dalton. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag the suckers. That's very good. <laughs> I oh, think, man. I think we've exhausted this list. I think so. I think so. I... I'm just really curious to see if there actually is going to be any particular trade activity. Like, the last couple of trade deadlines have just been dull, you know? Uh, yeah, the, the, nothing exciting has been happening at the trade deadline, really. And with Taylor Hall already in... So, the one thing that might be interesting is Taylor Hall might get traded again. Mm-hmm. Because the Coyotes are now kind of on the verge of contention as opposed to being in contention like they were before. Right. Um let me pull them up real quick. Oh, I should have had this over. Uh, he hasn't been having a good season, though, has he? No, I don't think so. I mean, he started off pretty hot in... I just They're remember three. right after he got traded, traded, he started off pretty okay. But like, I didn't realize Nashville was outside of the playoff picture. They are three points ahead of Nashville. Yeah. So they're just in. So if they stay in, they'll probably keep Hall. But if they go out... They might trade him. And so, like, that one's really... But they've got several games in hand on Nashville. Mm-hmm. they got 61 games to Nashville's 57. I mean, they've got the most games in hand of anybody in close there. Yeah. They've got, you know, two more games than Winnipeg, three more games than Minnesota. Somehow they have the most games out of anybody in the entire West. Oh, well, there you go for it. <laughs> so, yeah. like, they're... Mm, oh, they probably haven't had their bye week. That's why. Yeah, doesn't look like it. So, when is their bye week? Don't know. Oh my god, Detroit. Oh my god, Detroit. I saw a tweet earlier today that was... They're on um, pace to have 20 wins in this season? Oh, Arizona's already had their bye week. Huh. How they have 61 games then? Anyway, did you see the one that was like, Detroit is on pace for 20 wins this season? Yes, and did you see the one that was like... If they were, if they maintain this pace, they would have come in 24th in the season in, it was like a 1950 season or something like that when the teams only played 48 games. Oh my God. (laughs) Have you looked at their goal differential recently? I am on that page, so I can do it right now. It is negative 106. Oh shit. A hundred and six. Like the next, the next lowest is negative 45. 
fuck, that's bad. They've won 14 games. And they've also got the most games in hand along with, uh, who do, who were we just talking about? Arizona. Other, yeah. Or Sorry, they've played the most games. Not, not Yeah, sorry, sorry. They've played the most games just like Arizona. They've they played 61 games and won 14. Holy shit. Did you know Tampa Bay has won their last 10? Yes, I did. Holy fuck. I mean, no they were they surging. were outside of the playoffs for a little while there. No, I know, I remember for a good yeah. while. We were both kind of shocked about that. And now that. they're second in the East. Mm-hmm. And on a pace to potentially be uh, President's Trophy winners. Which is redonkulous. Fucking ridiculous. Tampa Bay is so good all the time. Yeah. Never, never count them out. Never count them out until you hit the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> and then if they're not in, then they're out. But you can't well, count on that I mean, until literally in, the day. Out. <laughs> I mean, even if they're out, they're secretly in. Even without CBY. I mean, I'm just, I am actually very, very curious to see if Stevie Y, who did such a good job with Tampa as a GM, and I'm such a fan of, I think he's probably one of the best GMs that hockey has seen in recent years is actually going to be able to turn negative 106 goals into an actual rebuild. Because that's a big ask. Yeah. Like, it's one thing to tank, but it's another thing to build the stairs out of that trench. You know? Yeah. So. Yep. (sighs) Well, speaking of trying to dig yourself out of a hole, have you seen the most recent... Twitter drama involving Paul Bizonette and Dan Carcillo? I've seen a little. I mean, okay, I don't... I don't necessarily know the exact origin of it. I've seen the allegations that Paul Bizonette made and Dan Carcillo's response. But I don't know what prompted... I don't know what prompted Paul Bizonette to say it. The origin of it is that Jeremy Roenick posted that video basically being like I'm the victim of the whole firing incident <laughs> being fired by NBC Sports even though uh, he's the one that very clearly talked about having sex with his coworker yeah 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 and Carcillo basically retweeted or and so like after that there was a article about Paul Bizonette and I forget which paper could have been the athletic something. I don't think it was, but it could have been something like, and just talking about how he's the most influential man in hockey now. And, uh, he retweeted that with damage control for Ronick, basically. Like the implication mm-hmm. was that this was because it was on spit and chicklets, right? That, that mm-hmm. Ronick talked about that. And so then that's when Paul Bizonet came from him. And, I think, so for those who haven't seen it, and basically, if you're on Twitter, you saw it. It's basically, he was like, well, you called me the N-word and said a lot of homophobic shit. And then also said, said uh, Paul Bizonet said that he had a swastika st- embroidered on his robe or something like that. And In then, the hood of his ro- dressing robe or something like that. Yeah. And I think that's actually what Carcillo took issue with, because I'm a, that's a, pretty that's one that he's never talked about so 
Yeah, so, I mean, he's been very upfront with the fact that he knows that he made a lot of mistakes in his past and, mm-hmm. um, you know, called, used language he should never have. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's, he's very vehemently dis- d- denying the swastika thing, which, if it's not true, is a very shitty thing for Bissonette well, to accuse him of. But if it is true, like, I don't know. I, yeah, and, but I also, has Bissonette ever played on the same team as Kersala? They said that, um, it sounds like they were on the same team in Wilkes-Barre Scranton. Um, oh. The Penguins affiliate. So if any time, would it, like, because I could see him maybe hearing something like that third party. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, like people talking shit, right? Right. And, um, because, I don't know, like, of all of the things, like, I feel like Carcella would have, if, if he had a swastika on his, you know, had bought into that at all, I feel like he would have come out and said it, right? Like, he's been very upfront about stuff. Yeah. And... He has. Well, and people... One of the things... I don't... I don't have a lot of opinions about Paul Bissonette. I don't particularly like the guy. But... And I really... You know, in this kind of situation where somebody is accusing somebody else of having been a Nazi, basically, um, I'm... I don't... I'm not gonna take a side there. Because if I take Dan Carcilla's side and it turns out he really was a Nazi, I don't want to be the one that defended a Nazi. But, Mm -hmm. like, there's... In this situation, with Paul Bissonnette and Dan Carcillo, there is one person who, for the last several years, has consistently been owning up to the things that he said in the past and apologizing for them and talking about the fact that, like, you know, this is something that I want to help change in in hockey. These are the proactive steps that I want to take for this. These are the people I've apologized to. Like, he's, you know... He mm-hmm. said that he directly reached out to Paul Bissonnette recently to apologize for those things. Yeah. And, you know, Paul Bissonnette's not denying that that he reached out to him. So there's one person in this situation that has been visibly making changes to make himself a better person, and one person who is not. And, and on top of that, one person who is fully ingrained in the barstool sports culture. Yes. And the thing that's been the most disgusting about this whole thing, for me anyway, is the number of Barstool fanboys who have again just crawled out from the rocks that they live under to use their disgusting fleshy mandibles to talk about how amazing Barstool sports is. And send death threats to Dan Carcillo's family. Yes. Yes. The thing that's really bothering me is... There are some women who are ignoring everything that other women, especially women of color, have said about Paul Bizonet and Barstool Sports. Mm-hmm. And, like, women with national platforms. And I'm like, mm-hmm. come on. Right? Like, maybe you don't want to take a side, but don't then don't take a side. Right. Right? Like... We know, like, for anybody who, there's no one in their right mind who can claim feminism and then defend barstool sports. Right. Like, the logic does not follow. So even if Paul Bizonet is correct 
and Dan Carcillo wore Nazi memorabilia on top of being racist and homophobic and stuff like that when he knew him. Mm-hmm. He still affiliates himself with a misogynistic society. <laughs> right. Right? Like, you don't have him. Like, yeah, Kersella was in the wrong for all of those things. Yeah. But you are also in the wrong right now and refuse to admit it. <laughs> right. And I, I, under, I understand that I am speaking from the point of view of a white person with a shit ton of privilege. And it's not up to me to say he apologized and that's the end of it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I can't. That's obviously not remotely my place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't really necessarily know where I was going with that. But if it is true that he has face to face, or at least over the phone, apologized to Paul Bissonnette and Paul Bissonnette accepted that, like as Dan Carcilla stated in those tweets, like, Paul Bissonnette throwing it in his face now is, again, also pretty shitty. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, <sighs> it's, I mean, we've, we've certainly got people who don't, still don't forgive us for ever naming the podcast Two Bearded Ladies back in the day. Yeah. Certainly. And that makes me sad, but there's nothing I can do about that after, you know, apologizing and attempting to be a better person and attempting to make sure that people understand that we are an ally to the trans community. Well, and educating and, myself, too, about, right. you know... And I think there's, but there's only so much that we as people can do, any person can do in apology, right? Right. And everybody has different standards of what is good enough to make them trust you. And for some people, that standard is, yeah, I will never trust you again, regardless. And that's 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 the one I find frustrating, though. It Um, might be frustrating, but at the same time, like, it's fine. It's fine. There's, there, it's fine. I'm saying, like, for me, one of the big lessons I have had to take away from from being a fucking adult is... Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to like you. And we've talked this about this before. As, like, as much as you can try to do the things that will make people like you, some people are just not going to like you. Right. And and that's okay. And I think... And I know, I know Carcillo's probably there, too. Um, and... Some people aren't going to trust him, but I think it's very bizarre to me to see people not trust him, but trust a mouthpiece for Barstool Sports. Right. Right. No, it is. That's true. Anyway. That's true. I'm, no. And I'm just tired of having to talk about this stuff. I am too. And I, I am too, but like it keeps fucking happening. So we keep having to at least address yes. it. Um, I do find it frustrating and again, this is coming from a place of, of privilege, that it's one, like, it's treated like an all or nothing kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. w- you, you make a mistake once, and whether or not you apologize for it, you are always the person that said that thing. Mm-hmm. And while I, that's completely fair, you know, I understand that, like, there are some wrongs that you can commit that you will continually apologize for. Mm-hmm. And that you will have to continue to own up. And I think that a lot of things that Dan Carcillo done, has done are, are, are those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, but I feel like there's a, a, a snap judgment that gets made a lot that doesn't allow for personal growth in the interim. And being the kind of person that would say those kinds of things 
you know, years ago versus the kind of person who owns up and continually apologizes for those things. Like, I'm not saying that you have to accept his apology, but I I don't feel like at this point he should be treated by as somebody who continually says those things because he doesn't. Right. So yeah. it, it, there's just, like, I feel like there there's... There is definitely a nuance between I have not actually done this behavior that is terrible in years. Right. And I recognize that it is terrible behavior. Right. Versus... Who like okay to put it in politics terms right like we know uh, Elizabeth Warren gets a lot of fucking shit for being a Republican in the eighties. Mm-hmm. She's getting a ton of shit. A lot of people you can't trust her. She was a Republican. Blah 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 blah. Okay, maybe that's true. Maybe you don't. I'm a Warren supporter, but I'm not going to tell you. Don't you know your feelings are invalid. But you can, but you compare that, and the media certainly fucking does. Republican in your forties, thirty years ago. To Michael Bloomberg <laughs> and stop and frisk when he was mayor of New York, you know, fucking in the two thousands. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, and yeah. and to be very, very, very fair to ninety nine percent of the people that I follow. Everybody I follow is like, what the fuck? Michael Bloomberg is a racist cop. Like, yeah. But the media is comparing these two things as like the they're same. oranges and oranges. <laughs> right. And not broccoli and oranges. Exactly. It's like, come no, on. I know. I mean, I, there's obviously things that you can criticize about all of the candidates. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, there are certainly some that still come out better than others. And exactly. I just feel like you have to be cautious throwing out false equivalencies like that. Yes. Yes. But again, I like again, I am not I am not trying to tell anybody that they have to accept every apology that comes their way. And that, like mm-hmm. that is I just if you take one thing away from everything that we've been talking about, I want you to know that that is not what I'm saying to anybody. Like, if you want to be mad at Dan Carcilla for the things that he said for the rest of your lives, or not mad, but like, if you don't want to accept his apology, if you don't want to trust him again, that he's not going to let you down, that's perfectly fine. I like, I'm not, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be a Dan Carcilla apologist here. Um, but we're, it, we're talking about the topic. So, you know, like this, yeah. this is just my two cents. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I just think the other thing is, I think where I'm coming from is more like, it's fine if you don't want to accept Dan Carcillo's apology. I get that. Like, some of that is pretty unforgivable for a lot of people. Yes. And again, I come from a place of privilege because none of that was directed at me, at least from a racist standpoint. I'm white as fuck. But like, it is, I think, very, very hypocritical to not accept Dan Carcillo's apology but treat Bizanet like he's unimpeachable. Right. Because that, to me, says that you're only caring about certain issues and not the sum total of injustices here. Right. And and not everybody can campaign for everything, right? Like, if you're volunteering for to try and fix a cause that you care about, you can't volunteer to fix every cause you care about. But at the same time, just from a 
I support you and listen to your show or I follow you on Twitter standpoint, those are really easy things to not do if someone's kind of a dick. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I saw an earlier Twitter exchange, again, kind of politics related, where someone was retweeting a point that Sean King had made. And I don't know if you have followed the same people, so I'm not sure how you feel about Sean King. But where I, I stopped following him years, like last year, because there were so many black women who were basically like, this man is a grifter and a fraud and has taken thousands of dollars from good causes. I mean, I've been seeing that for years now. I've never exactly. followed Sean King. But I never followed Sean King. But the, And the first time I heard about him was a lot of black ladies saying, please don't trust this man. Yeah, and so, so I, I I hadn't heard that until a couple years ago, I think, actually. But, like, this person was being basically told by two other people, including a black man, like, you really shouldn't, like, follow Sean King. He's a grifter and a con man. And this other guy, a white guy, was just basically like, yeah, I'll follow whoever I want. I follow a lot of people. It's like, no. That's it's not e- This is fucking Twitter. Just unfollow him. Yeah. It takes two seconds to help deplatform this fucker, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, the points he's making, he just are from somebody else as well, you know. Yep. Which just deplatform. It's fine. It's fine. It takes no work to unfollow someone on Twitter. Very true. Anyway, <sighs> stop being racist so we can have a fun podcast. Seriously. Seriously. Stop being sexist so we can have a more fun podcast. Stop being homophobic. We just want to have a fun podcast. I just want to have... I'm just, just here to talk about hockey and have a good time, man. Yeah. Stop burning all my vibes. <sighs> good vibes only. Well, speaking of vibes... God, I'm so tired. Twinkle, twinkle, little... Stars. Stars! How I wonder what you... Charge! Charge. (laughs) I will have you know, I did not have a cough until about 15 minutes before we started recording. That sounds about right. Oh my god! Oh no. I just looked up a picture of Jason Robertson so I could get his birthday, and he is adorable. <laughs> Good gosh, he's so cute. Okay. Well, what a tiny, cute little baby. Yeah. Carolyn, he was... Carolyn, he was born two months after I graduated from high school. <laughs> Carolyn, I could be this boy's mom. Yeah. Carolyn, he was born in 1999. We're there now. We're there. Sweet fucking Christ, I'm so old. Today's horoscopes come from astralreflections.com. Subtitle, a blog by astrologer Tim Stevens. All right. Well, our first candidate is Jason Robertson. Who is a tiny, precious little peanut? Uh, and we are his birth. His, his birthday is July twenty second, so he is a cancer. He's a cusp cancer. Yeah, sneaking under that wire. All right, 
Tuesday lifts you from darkness and mystery into a month of illumination, understanding, wide vision, travel, media, and love. Dang. <laughs> Unfortunately, or not, these things immediately enter a swirlwind, new word, of delays, mistakes, shortages, shortages and indecision until March 9th. So contemplate these, but don't act before March 10th. Don't start any new projects or relationships before that date. There will be much discussion, but avoid action. Bosses favor you until early March. <laughs> Relationships grow intense now through March. You could start an ambitious partnership or a battle. Dive into chores and protect your daily health Sunday and Monday. Good progress. We deception pre-dawn Monday. Those now intensifying relationships come to the fore Tuesday morn to midday Thursday. Your luck is good here, so go forth to make friends, not new important ones. Flirt with your sweetie, etc. Diplomacy is essential for six weeks ahead. If single, you could meet your future mate, and he, she's likely from the past, an ex-lover. New ones won't work. Opportunities might lure you, but... If they are not from the past or an ongoing situation, reject them. Life's depths emerge Thursday, midday through Saturday. Mysteries, your subconscious, these rise to the surface. Trust your hunches. You might meet a delightful friend or a handful of them. In finances, handle old problems, but avoid new investments. I have no idea what was going on in that. I don't know. I kind of zoned out. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I have no idea what was going on there. That I'm just gonna read the first paragraph now. That one I, was that one was tight. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that went on a little long. That was a lot. It was. I mean, was it anything good? I mean, it was weird. All right. Yeah, I couldn't understand what was going on there. Bless. Okay. Um, let's do Mr. Game Tying Goal Blake Como. I'm looking him up. Give me just a second. You have just one. Oh, sweet Jesus. Have you ever seen him with hair? <laughs> no, I can't say I have. It's, it's an experience. <laughs> you, should, you just... Go you just Google him, like, his his rookie photo with uh, the Oilers pops up and... Oh, he's, my. He used to have a name. <laughs> yeah, right? It's a yeah. little strange. Okay, he's an Aquarius. An Aquarius. All right, where are you at? Oh, man. I just don't know what to do with all this hair! <laughs> Aquarius. You've been, quote-unquote, on top for weeks, Aquarius. Tuesday ends your reign and begins a month of possessions, buying slash selling, earnings, and cash flow, rote learning, and casual sex. <laughs> He's married. That's awkward. Hang on. There's a, there's a parenthetical. When I say casual, quote unquote, sex, I usually mean the bond can grow boring after the first flush of passion. I don't, that does not mean what you think it means. It does not. <laughs> However, now to March.
March 10th, this area, and every area really, will hit a moving wall of delays, mistakes, and misunderstandings. So start nothing new and significant. That's the same thing you said for Jason Robertson. Be very wary when shopping for big ticket items, cars, clothes, etc. Lemons surround you. Communications are affectionate. Now to the end of March, avoid biker clubs, dark alleys, and belligerent people. <laughs> you are not a physical fighter, Aquarius. You're meant to fight with your mind. Oh my god. This is one of the best star charts we've had in a very long time. Okay, I was going to tell you Tyler Sagan, but he's also an Aquarius, so like, <laughs> make sure that also for Tyler Sagan. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, my God. That's so funny. That's so good. Oh, that's so good. Okay. I don't know. You pick one this time. Uh, what about... Uh, what about... Um, oh, fuck. Hayskin and then's a cancer, too. Same birthday as Jamie Benn. Um, yeah. Who do we never do? All right. Let me look at that. Let me, let me pull up the roster and I will read to you from the, we never do Jamie Alexiak. Let's do Jamie Alexiak. When are you born? My friends call me Jamie Alexiak. (laughs) (laughs) That's still probably the best joke I've ever made on this podcast. Okay, Jamie Alexiak is a Sagittarius. Okay, where are you at? There we are. Your restless, curious, wandering weeks end Tuesday as a month of domesticity arrives. Romance lessens but sweetens. Much money will flow your way now till March's end. But bank it, you'll have an unconscious urge to spend. Start nothing new before March 10th, no brand new projects nor relationships, and be careful about buying anything. Instead, reprise past bonds, projects, roles, or protect ongoing situations from delays, mismeetings, mistakes, etc. Do not begin renovation projects before March 10th. Wow. Okay. Yep. Do not. No, it's in capital letters. <laughs> Do not! Thou shalt not renovate! <laughs> How dare you! Do you ever think, man, I'm really glad I've never had a baby because I would have fucking lost it on casual sex. Yeah. I would have peed my pants. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <sighs> Do you want to talk about happy things? Sure. Uh, I can go first. Mine's pretty easy. Uh, last week I went to CBJ Hack. Yay. And it was a lot of fun. It was a really great conference. Um, Allison Lucan basically helped organize it. Um, and, uh, but I was mostly there to be kind of like the social media person for Hockey Graphs. I live tweeted the whole thing. And that was fun. Um, there were some really really interesting presentations and all of that but mostly i went to drink with my friends and make new friends yay you should ask micah though it was documented on twitter about his 
planes, trains, and automobiles experience of actually oh getting my God, to conference. Yes. He was supposed to be in our Airbnb and like it looked like I mean for a minute I was telling him not to come. Like Yeah. <laughs> I was like, if he hadn't shown up, I would have been like, here's your hundred dollars back. Like you can you don't you deserve just, this. Taking um, that, buddy. Like you yeah. kind of deserve that. But, uh, yeah, no, it was a really fun conference. Um, I got to actually meet Hannah Stewart in person for the first time ever. She was uh, lovely, and her hair is just as big as you imagine it to be. Yeah. Um, got to meet yeah. the twins for the first time ever in person. Uh, got to meet Peter Flynn um, in person for the first time. And got to hang out with, you know, friend of the podcast, Jen, again, <gasps> which was really nice. Jen! I love her. And got to meet, got to hang out with Elizabeth, or with Lynn, and, um, and, like, all, all great people. Tons, tons, and tons of great people. And, uh, got to see the CBJ game, which I had never been to, obviously. And they lost, but I got to hear the cannon at least once. It is quite loud. Yes, it is. I've heard. I've never been. Oh, no. You know it's gonna be loud, and you know it's coming. You're not prepared for it. Yeah, you never, I mean, nobody, nobody has ever prepared for a cannon. No one's ever prepared for a cannon. And, uh, yeah, so that was great fun. And then even to top it off, I actually, um, I have a girlfriend, one of my really, really good friends lives in Cincinnati now. So I hadn't gotten to see her since 2018. And so I drove down to Cincinnati and we hung out for like a day and a half and, Got to watch the Oscars together and be silly and had some local beer and some really good Italian food. And, yeah, it was a really good trip. So that's my happy thing. Cool. Um, so I've been talking about going to uh, – okay, I've been talking about getting more tattoos for a hot minute now. And uh, my friend Anna, when we went to get our <laughs> very incredibly impulsive Friday the 13th tattoos back in December – um, my friend Anna did not want to get a tattoo because she could not get a D20. And, uh, she and I have been playing D&D together basically since I moved to Austin. And, um, I was like, well, if you're going to get, get, if you're going to get your first tattoo and it's going to be a D20, I will go with you and I will also get a D20 and then we can have matching tattoos. So our friend Carlos lives out in Elgin, um, which for you people who are not, in the Austin area is like deep, deep, deep East Austin, but like outside of Austin by about 45 minutes. And they make good sausage. And they make great sausage. And every second Thursday, they have an evening that they call Sip, Shop, and Stroll, where you can go to their little downtown strip or what passes for that in Elgin. And, um, they set up booths, there's a farmer's market, all of the, all of the shops are open past six o'clock on a weeknight, so you know it's a special night. Um, and they have, like, free beer and wine everywhere, they're sell like, have, like, people are selling their handcrafted shit, and, like, it's all just really nice, and a lot of the local, uh, establishments will offer discounts on, you know, normal stuff. So the tattoo shop in town is on the main strip, and so they offer $30 tattoos on Thursday nights. I mean, as long as it's a pretty simple tattoo. Right. So I was like, shit, for $30, bucks, i am going to get the two that I've had in my mind for a while. One was the um, D20 and the other. Um, I really wanted to get the word. I've, since I got my first tattoo, which is the word grace in Aramaic, 
I wanted to get the word hope, but in Elvish. Um, because I have read Lord of the Rings more times than most other people, except for Christopher Lee. And, um, (laughs) the thing that I continually take, the the first time, one of the first times I ever read it, um, somebody was trying to compare it to other things. And then I remember when that Times article came out and they were calling George R. R. Martin the American Tolkien I just got really mad because the thing that I love about Tolkien is that his stories are full of hope and they're talking about hope and it's all like hinging on hope. And Mm -hmm. I just love that word. I love the concept. I love the way that he wrote about it. And, um, so I've just wanted to get the statue for the longest time. And so, uh, I finally pulled the trigger on Thursday night and I have two new tattoos. One is a D20 and one is the, uh, the word hope in Elvish. Uh, well, it's actually in the Tengwar script, so it's not in um, Cinderin, um, but it's um, it's lovely. It's beautiful. I love it. The only issue is that there is some bleed out around the D twenty because Aww. I guess the guy I went to is not is that not actually that great. Um, and I'm trying not to be too mad about it because my whole idea for it was to do like a watercolor splash behind it, mm-hmm. but it's hard to look at it and then look at the one that I got in December that was equally as fast and kind of like impulsive, not impulsive, but you know, like quickly done tattoo. And that one looks gorgeous. And this one it's like, seriously, <sighs> whatever. It's fine. It's, there's bleed out, but I've always, I like from, from the, I couldn't get that as part of a part of the thirty dollar tattoo, but my plan was always to get that done behind it. So not yeah. going back to that guy. Gonna go right. somewhere else, but I'm gonna get. I'm I'm still gonna. It's gonna get fixed because I'm gonna get that done. But, um, but it also like on top of. So it was my friend Anna, her boyfriend Randy, Carlos, um, our friend uh, Reagan, and our uh, my coworker Aaron all all went out to Elgin, and. Carlos, Randy, Anna, and I have been playing D&D together for years. We all got the D20 tattoo. Aww. <laughs> because we're all just a big bunch of nerds. So we now I have a matching tattoo with four of my closest D&D friends. And I'm just like, man, that just makes me feel like part of a really cool gang slash cult. And I love it. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's... It's just nice to have friends. <laughs> it is good to have friends. We love you friends. Know? Yeah, I love friends. And, like, Randy even got his in exactly the same spot that I got mine. So I'm just, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I love them. And I had a really great night on Thursday. So, yeah. Yay. Well, let's move into listener questions. This is going to be a long podcast. Sorry, I didn't mean to take so long. No, you're fine. We talked okay. about a lot of stuff already. We sure did. Uh, who's... Who do you want to uh, I'll go first, since you asked J- uh, Jason's other question. Okay. Uh, Jason of Damn Jason fame asks, Now that we've seen Jason Robertson in a game based solely on personality, parentheses, and their parents, would you rather have Devin Shore or Jason Robertson? Also, please refer to him as other, other Jason. I mean, unfortunately, I missed Jason Robertson's game. Um... But based solely on personality, I would rather have both. Can we swap out somebody to get Devin Shore back? Yeah, by Corey Perry. <laughs> I don't understand why this has to be half a dozen of one. You know, like why we can't have both. 
¿Por qué no los dos? <laughs> ¿Por qué no los dos? I would like both. I want both. Bring me both. I want both. What if we trade Corey Perry back to the Ducks for Devin Shore? I I mean, isn't is that how Corey? No, that's not how Corey Perry. Who do we trade for Devin Shore? I don't remember. Oh, Cogliano, I think. Oh, well, I do like Cogliano. Yeah, let's get Devin Shore back. And then we can have both really cute families. In yeah. Oh, yeah, Andrew Cogliano. Okay, yeah, okay yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I want I want Devin Shore back along with Jason Robertson. Goodbye, they would be Corey friends. Perry. I bet they would be. So oh my gosh! Friends. Of course they would. I just love when nice dudes are friends. Me too. So anyway, <laughs> both. Jen, friend of the podcast, Jen asks number one favorite presentation from CBJ Hack? Question mark. Most relevant one for the stars. Question mark. Um, CBJ, like I said, had some really, really good presentations. Um, the whole thing was streamed and will have recordings go up, so you can still get those. Um, Allison and Megan presented on the power kill, which is basically a very aggressive penalty kill. Um, that was a really good, well-researched, um, Megan Hall, I should say. There were two Megans who presented. Um... That was a really good and really well-researched one. Obviously, Hannah Stewart one uh, talked about what we don't know about prospects and how it makes uh, evaluating them difficult, especially from a model perspective. And that point was echoed, actually, in a couple of really good presentations about um, prospects. I really appreciated the one from Katrina Wu, um, who was talking about building out a new version of a coefficient system. Um, because basically, the current coefficient system we have is mostly about... it basically takes the number of points that you can make in any in a league and then try to put it how many points you'd have in the NHL. And that obviously doesn't take into account a lot of things. While they do attempt to take into account strength of league a little bit, it's, it's very, very limited. Um, and so her model was about trying to take in a couple more factors and do a little bit better weighting. There were a couple others that were really good. Micah's was obviously very, very good, um, as all Micah presentations are. Um, his was about score effects. And this is the one that was absolutely the most relevant to the Dallas Stars. Um, and he basically presented a lot of very, very compelling evidence that the reason score effects exist has nothing to do with the team um, trailing and everything to do with the team leading. It is basically not that... Um, the fact that, because, you know, the idea is that, right, like, once a team goes up by two shots, two goals or so, the other team will just, like, ma- out-possess them massively, right? Outshoot them massively, right? Everybody kind of knows that this is the true thing. And this is across sports. Like, this happens everywhere. Mm-hmm. But until now, it's kind of been thought of as Like, well, yeah, they're trying harder and the other team is turtling. And now he's saying, well, mathematically, we can actually see it has nothing to do with the other team trying harder. It has everything to do with the leading team taking their foot off the gas. And that was extremely evident in the Stars game against Toronto, where they basically did not shoot for the entire third period. So I think that's the most relevant for the Stars. Um, the other one that I particularly liked uh, to call them out was uh, Bill Tran gave a really quick lightning talk on making good viz, and I thought that was a really good talk. 
Um, and I actually got to chat with him a little bit afterwards and he's a really cool guy. And he and, um, a friend of his run a, uh, blog called the win, win column, the win column.ca. And it's a Calgary flames blog. So if you're looking for good Calgary flames analysis, check that out. I so rarely am. <laughs> well, I know a lot of our, our listeners are multi-team fans, so... Um, but yeah, Truth. so those will all be going up, and once they're up, the um, HG will, uh, hockey graphs will happen as well. Cool, cool, cool. Which long familiar name from the NHL coaching carousel will end up in Minnesota with Boudreaux out? Mm. I mean, Gallant's still without a job, right? Yeah, I'm wondering if it is Gallant. Could it be uh, Peter LaViolette? I feel like it'd be more LaViolette La versus Gallant. Yeah. Because he's more of a defense guy. Yeah. I mean, it's not that Gallant isn't a defense guy, but they're all defense guys, but like LaViolette's a defense guy. That's my thought. Do you think Boudreaux's going to be a lock for the Stars job? Because I kind of feel like Boudreaux's a lock for the Stars job. God, I hope not. I mean, I don't hate it as much as I hate other things. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, well, yeah, and I get that, but you talked about the fact that, like, Washington is souring on Ralph Kruger, and I just started getting this vision in my head of Ralph Kruger getting fired in the offseason and the Stars getting to hire him. <laughs> That's where my brain just started going, and I'm like, uh, holy shit, what if that happens? I don't know if Buffalo will get rid of Ralph Kruger this season. Isn't this only his first season in Buffalo? I think so. Buffalo, get tired of Ralph Cougar. Buffalo. <laughs> we just need one thing from you. One. Don't appreciate what you have. <laughs> you don't need him. What you need is support for Jack Eichel. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, number three. Hope everyone got some good discount candy this weekend. I will tell you what, Jen, friend of the podcast, Jen. I had to go to Walmart on Friday for some work gloves, for trash picking up. And I walked in and there was this entire aisle of Reese's peanut butter cups that were all on sale for $3. And so I told my girls after they picked up a bunch of trash that I would give them $20 of my personal own money and take them to Walmart so they could get discounted Valentine's candy. And when we went back on Saturday, it was all still $3, but then you took a 50% off discount at the counter. So now it was a $1.50. We got so much fucking chocolate. <laughs> I am pissed. I had to go grocery shopping yesterday for, like, actual groceries. No Valentine's candy in sight. Only get you to a Walmart. There's no Walmart around me. Literally none. That is the saddest story that I have ever <laughs> heard. It was Easter all the way down. I was fucking pissed. That said, I really do like some Easter candy. So I mean, I might Easter get in candy on it. is fucking baller, but it is not a Valentine heart. It is not a dollar fifty. It is not a dollar fifty. Okay. Andrew, too cool for Cali, LA asks, 
What would you think about making it so that the winning division from the All-Star game gets extra draft picks out of playoffs or trade deadline cap space if they are in the playoffs for their teams? Means that players would have a real incentive to win and defend. Andrew, you know that I really appreciate you as a listener and as a personal person that I say hi to at games. Also, the person who has promised me some coffee for the last for a little while that I haven't picked up from you. Um, <laughs> I do not want to do anything to make the All Star Game more relevant during the regular season. <laughs> not a damn thing. It is an exhibition game, and I really do not want anybody being like, I need to go all out so I can get more trade deadline cap space for my division. I, no, I, you know, I think you're a great dude, but I think this is a bonus idea. I was actually, I thought it was a pretty good concept, and now I'm a little bit swayed on your side to be like, (laughs) well, we don't want anyone to injure themselves. We really, Carolyn, we absolutely do not want anybody to injure themselves trying to get, what, some extra cap space? No. I I don't think that the trade deadline cap space is the right way to go. I think, I think it would have to be something simpler because I think the other thing is that most players don't know what the fuck escrow is. Like, I don't think that they quite, like, they kind of understand that, like, a cap situation is a cap situation, right? Like, but I don't think... Number one, they don't for they for fucking sure don't know how cap space is calculated, and number two, I just don't think that would be motivating enough. You yeah. know what I mean? Maybe yeah. like could move up one spot in the lottery or something like that, or like improve their odds in the lottery by five percent. But I I just don't know. I don't know if that's good enough. Yeah. But now I'm like, yeah, I don't want anybody to injure themselves at the All-Star game. That would be the worst. (sighs) No, I don't. I don't want it. Sorry. I don't want it at all. All right. The best Shani in all the land asks, number one, if he continues to play well, do you think Johns will be a Masterton finalist? If he does win, will he be the first Stars player to get the trophy that's named for a Stars player? I think... I don't even think he has to play well to be <laughs> nominated no. to be a Masters and finalist, honestly. I mean, no. But, like, he is like, playing well, and I would like him to continue playing well, but, like, I don't, I think just the fact that he is playing is a lot. Absolutely. Um, I mean, fucking what, okay. I, I, you know I am very protective and loving of my former Oilers, like, terrible children, but, um... Devin Dubnik won it for having a bad season the season before. You know what I mean? Like, it's, and it was a, it was an epically bad season that saw him bouncing around in the AHL to recover and, like, do great. But, like, it, and I also, I don't necessarily think that the Masterton has to be a thing where we're awarding a player for having like um near death experiences. Near death experiences are like the worst, you know, possible injury, blah blah blah. But that I mean that is kind of what it what it's become. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that Devin Dubnik is like 
unworthy of of praise for that but it seems like a weird thing to have won a, a masterton for so i mean i for sure think he's gonna be the um the nominee from the stars because i cannot think of anybody else that they would nominate and if he's not like one of the finalists i'm gonna be hella surprised yeah I'd be and shocked. i do i do believe that he will be the first acid uh, I mean, so I Googled the North this. Stars did win it. Yes, I Googled this. So, list of Dallas Stars awards. Um, there is a guy who, uh, Al McAdam, won it in 1979-80. So, he was on the North Stars. So, depending on whether or not you consider that to be Stars history. Well, I mean, Masterton was on the North Stars, so. It was just named for Masterton. I don't think he ever won it. No, obviously. He, right, right, yeah. right. That was the point. It was like, has a Stars player ever won this award named for a Stars player? No. So. <laughs> but I'm saying, but I'm saying Matt, Matt Masterton was on the North Stars. So like. Yeah. I feel like it is. So then, it, yes. I feel like, yeah, I feel like McAdams if we're, counts as if we're, ca- if we're calling Masterton a Stars player, then Al McAdam is a Stars player and he did win it in 1970, well, 1980, basically, because that was for the 1979-1980 season. Yeah. So, there you go. Actual hockey history for once in this podcast's five years. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, the second half of her question is, what's your favorite episode of Veronica Mars, and who are your favorite and least favorite character? I binged it pretty hard, so I'm not going to lie. Most of the episodes run together. Okay, not only did I binge it hard, I binged it hard, like, a fucking decade ago. Like, it's been a hot minute since I've watched this Did you this watch show. season four? No, I never did. I'd be interested in your take on season four, because I really liked season four, but I know there were a lot of people who hated season four. Well, I really did not like the film. I haven't seen the movie. I watched the movie, and, like, I was kind of disappointed in what the movie was. Mm-hmm. Um and I have I had been so completely burned by the Gilmore Girls reboot that I chose on purpose to not watch the fourth season. But I don't mind doing it to have a conversation with you about it. So I think you would like it. I think okay. I think my um my issue with season three specifically is that they didn't have, like, one big overarching mystery mm-hmm. that carried you the whole way through the season. Like, they basically finished up the biggest mystery, like, halfway through and then had to do, like, one-shots and maybe find something interesting at the very, very end mm-hmm. um, when they brought back, uh, what's his fucking name? Jake, the Lily's dad. Mm-hmm. And so season three was pretty weak from a storytelling aspect. And the nice thing about season four is, is that it does bring that back. Gotcha. From a, like, so you've got an actually interesting mystery going and going and going. And I thought that it was pretty well written. Um, I think there were a lot of people who really didn't like how it ended and that ruined the whole thing for them. Um, but it actually had surprising character growth and all of that. Um, so I thought I thought it was actually a pretty good season. Season one is still by far the best season of Veronica Mars. Yeah, like, for sure. By far. It's so good. 
And I would recommend people watch it. It was a real fun watch, especially like as an adult. Like, it's, I mean, it's it's a really smart and fun show, and it is. like, I mean, yeah. And Kristen Bell is always fucking baller. Yes. Um, I will say there is one moment that has always stuck out to me, and that is, um, and I don't want to spoil anything if none of you have watched it, but the episode where Veronica finds out whether or not her dad is really her dad. Yes. The 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 result of that and that the way that the two of them played that scene, I always Kane. really, really Jake loved. Kane. That was his name. Yes. 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 Um, as far as characters that I didn't love, I did not at all like that stupid dude who was like the sheriff the new sheriff. Oh, Lamb? Yeah. Fuck I hated Lamb. I hated Lamb too, but I didn't hate him as much as Duncan Kane. Because Lamb yeah. at least was a person you were supposed to hate. Duncan Kane was somebody you were supposed to root for. Yeah, and I did not. I and did he not. was such a dick. Yeah. Such a dick. Um, my I favorite... did. Oh, sorry. Keep on. Oh, go ahead. No, go for it. I was going to say, I did. I really loved Weevil a lot. I was about to say that. Weevil is absolutely my favorite character. <laughs> I definitely, for a while in the show, shipped Weevil and Kurt and Veronica. Oh, they definitely should have been together. The poor. 100% Veronica yes. Weevil, this podcast is on that. Yes. 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 So, I mean, not that I don't love Veronica and Logan like everybody else, but like, I Veronica, Veronica and, and Weevil. Veronica and Logan was fine. I actually quite liked season four of Veronica Logan a whole lot better than any other time in the show. Oh, really? Because, man, Veronica Logan in the movie was like, oh, what are you doing? Okay, yeah. Season four of Veronica Logan was fine for me. I thought that was actually... Okay. Like, That's good to know. It's not a spoiler because they talk about it in literally the first episode of the season. But, like, uh-huh. Logan's like, I have gone to therapy and here is what I am trying to deal with. And here are my coping mechanisms. <laughs> and I was Aww. like, oh. <laughs> Nice and refreshing. Exactly. And he's like, Veronica, you should go to therapy. <laughs> Please, dear God, girl, you could use them. So I really, I really actually did like Logan in season four, but up and even through season four, I'm like, Weevil. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Weevil. Weevil. So great. I also really liked um, Dick Casablancas a lot. Yes. <laughs> He was such a surprising character at some points. Like, you know, he seems like he's going to be just this super normal, like, just a-hole of a dude. And then it's like, oh, but you're not sometimes. Every sometimes. But also you kind of are. <laughs> but also you kind of are. But I don't know. He was just funny. Yeah. He No, he was, I think, really well written. Yeah. And, and well acted, too. I think, I yes. think they found the best of him that they could. Yes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, he was good. He was good. I think... And I loved Mac. Oh, God, I loved Mac. Mac. I know. And Wallace. Wallace is so great. Yeah. The thing about season four that I, I both appreciated and didn't really like is that they definitely did, like, everybody gets a cameo kind of thing. But I appreciated getting to learn about Wallace's life. Yeah. As, a, like, a an adult and not a basketball player. <laughs> Yeah. Because the man is clearly 5'6". <laughs> I just, yes. No kidding. I know. Bless his heart. He's so small. Um, I was, so I came to Wikipedia to uh, refresh my memory of some of these things. 
And I just read something on here that really surprised me. Um, Jason Doring, who plays Logan Eccles. Um, uh, okay, so this, listen to this. Doring originally auditioned for the role of Duncan Kane. After his audition, the producers asked Doring to audition for the character of Logan, who at the time was only going to be a guest role in the pilot. Doring felt that his audition for Duncan was a little dark and was told by the producers that it was not really right. The producers then asked Doring to read for the role of Logan. Doring acted one scene from the pilot, bashing the headlights of a car in with a tire iron. During the final auditions, Doring read two times with Bell and that with the studio and the network. When reading with Bell, Doring acted the whole scene as if he was the one who raped her and tried to give the character an evil feel. I was like, first, first season Logan Eccles? Yeah, you definitely did that. Absolutely. He was such a creeper. That had, ugh, just reading that kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. The choices. All the choices. But I choices you made. (laughs) Oh, and that's all we have for you today. (laughs) Yay! Make better choices than Logan Eccles. (laughs) Make better choices than Logan Eccles. Go to therapy. Go to therapy. (laughs) If you need it. Yeah, which we all need it. Strong belief that everybody should go to therapy. Have your therapist tell you whether or not you need therapy. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Classlicity. I'm at Marinish. (laughs) (laughs) Do you want to take that again or are we going to go with that? (laughs) All right, let's go with that. (laughs) And you can find our official Twitter at Deep Heart Hockey. That's where we always solicit questions from our listeners. So follow us there. Um, and if you have a longer question, comment, or opinion on Veronica Mars season four, you can email us at deephearthockey at gmail.com. You can also find our official blog at deephearthockey.wordpress.com. Which I got to reference later, earlier this week about our, uh, summer book club from like 2015 when we reviewed all those hockey romance novels. (laughs) We should do that again! We should do that again. We're thinking about a summer book club, guys. So get your Rex in now. We'll be yes. reading one of the ones about the the Kraken, but not the yes, Kraken. Yes, absolutely. The sock eyes. The sock yeah. guys. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> get them in. Get them in. Get them in. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.